I'm Tavis Smiley, and I'm back. Can't say it like the Godfather soul, but I'm back, and I'm glad you're with us still in this hour. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. A great show so far, and I look forward to our conversation in this hour with Dr. James Smethurst about the black arts movement in the South and the ways in which the movement's radical roots, uh, its ties to civil rights organizations, and its use of literature and performance uh, help to advance the civil rights movement in this country as we know it. It seems to me uh, that we spent a great deal of time over many decades now dissecting and reveling in the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s and the 1930s, uh, as we should have. Uh, and yet, I, I think I hear uh, uh, Dr. Smether suggesting to me that the black arts movement in the South from the 60s to the early 80s is an understudied black arts movement, a cultural movement that was formed uh, also by African-American artists and intellectuals and had a profound impact uh, on the civil rights movement. That's what he essentially is getting us to focus on, not just the Harlem Renaissance in the 20s and 30s, but what about this sort of, um, you know, Renaissance, this cultural movement in the South that impacted the movement as we know it. His book is called Behold the Land, the Black Arts Movement in the South. I am delighted to have on this program Dr. James Smethurst. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It's really great to be here. How are you? I'm well, man. Good to have you on the program. Thanks for taking the time to join us. A lot to get to in this hour. So let me let me jump right in. Uh, am, am I right, first of all, about um, what I suggested a moment ago, that we spent a great deal of time, again, as we should, never enough time spent unpacking uh, the impact of uh, the Harlem Renaissance back in the 20s and 30s. Uh, but I think I hear you suggesting uh, that what you want us to focus on as well and what you spent your time researching and writing about is this understudied black movement, black arts movement, as it were, in the South. True or false? Yes, true. Um, and in fact, I'd even go a little further and say that when we think about the black arts movement or when we, you know, for a long time when we thought about the black arts movement, as related to the black power movement, we tended to think about the North and the West. We tend to think more about Chicago or Detroit or New York or Oakland or Los Angeles and not Atlanta or Houston or Los Angeles or Memphis. Mm -hmm. And since you went further, let me follow you uh, further still and ask how it is that this movement in the South um, distinguishes itself from those other movements that you've just referenced in other parts of this nation. Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, when you say distinguished, I mean, I think they all saw themselves as part of a, a larger moment and, and movement. But I think that the way that they become, it becomes important or is, you know, they're for practical reasons and symbolic reasons. The practical reasons are uh, then as, as now and basically forever in the United States, uh, more black people live in the South than any other region of the, of the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, a little over half the popu black population of the United States lived in the South during that, that moment. And uh, furthermore, you know, uh, pretty much uh, this was before immigration changed sort of the demographics of the black community a little bit. Pretty much uh, the vast majority of black people in this country had, even if they didn't live in the South, had some connection to the South. It might vary about what part of the South, like if you were in Los Angeles, say, it might be uh, Texas or, or Louisiana or Arkansas. If you mm -hmm. lived in New York, it might be the Carolinas, Virginia, Georgia. But um, so the practical reason was is that once black arts and black power decides to put on an emphasis on the election of black officials and taking over local governments, taking over city governments, 
electing representatives. Demographically, the South was the place it had to be, right, because um, that's where most black people were. I mean, there were a few cities like Oakland or Gary or or Newark, New Jersey, uh, Detroit, Cleveland, where black people were a majority or close to a majority of the population you know, outside of the South. But most of the cities of the South, they were already there, you know, Atlanta, again, Atlanta, New Orleans, Jackson, uh, Memphis, and so on. So, you know, uh, part of it was that, that it, what made it unique was because, uh, for practical re- reasons, there are more black people there than any place in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and then black people were able to gain control of city governments, the black community, and then there was resources for the arts, especially in Atlanta where Maynard Jackson, the first black mayor Mm -hmm. uh, of Atlanta, decided that he wanted to be the culture mayor. So he put money into the arts. So that's that's part of it. I think the other reason is symbolic, right? Um, In the United States, I, I think... It's hard to think, if you think about black nationalism or ideas of black people, self-determination, you know, the idea that black folks uh, should do for themselves, should control their own destiny. Pretty much any vision of black, a black people or a black nation, you know, the sort of ground zero in the United States is the South, symbolically. You know, this Mm -hmm. is, this is, you know, kind of, you know, obviously there was slavery everywhere in the U.S. at one point or another, black people everywhere, but that was, was the epicenter of, of, of it all. Uh, and so I think, you know, symbolically, you know, the Behold the Land comes, title comes from a speech by Du Bois, W.E.B. Du Bois, in the 40s, where he, he's saying, you know, talking about at a, at a conference in the South, you know, behold the land where your ancestors, you know, you lived and died, you know, and built built that land and uh, blood shed on that land. And, you know, that this this notion of the land of, you know, was very powerful. So I think that that, that was a little long-winded way of saying it, but, but I think there were practical reasons and um, and symbolic reasons, sort of emotional, even you might even say spiritual reasons why the South you know, particularly resonated yeah. in the movement. When you mentioned Maynard Jackson, a big smile came across my face. Uh, I, I love that brother dearly, uh, miss him uh, sincerely. Uh, the first black mayor of the city of Atlanta. Um, never met a guy uh, who was uh, nicer uh, and kinder uh, and uh, just a just a great guy, smart guy, turned that city of Atlanta around. Uh, right. Glad his name is now on the airport there, uh, Jackson Hartsfield Airport. So I'm glad we uh, they got that done. Uh, but he's one of the two people I've met in my life. I've said this before, I think. Um, I've met two folks, two folks in my life, politicians, that is. If you met them and got to know them, just spend any time with them, you mm-hmm. could not help but vote for them. And Maynard Jackson's one of them. If you met Maynard Jackson, he was going to get your vote because he was just the nicest guy. Uh, and whenever he talked to you, he could be in a room of 10,000 people but made you feel like you were the only person in that room at that moment. I adored uh, Maynard Jackson, former mayor of the city of Atlanta. When we come forward, we'll talk more about uh, this black arts movement in the South uh, and explore the ways in which um, we need to appreciate it um, uh, and why it has been, in fact, in fact undervalued uh, over the years. And, and I also, my, my sense is, at least, and we'll get Dr. James Smethurst to unpack all this for us, my sense is that uh, a black arts movement in the South may receive a certain kind of pushback because it is, in fact, in the South. Um, that the black arts movement in the north or in the west might not have received. I don't know. He wrote the book. We'll unpack it, though, when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. 
We are talking in this hour about the black arts movement in the South from the 1960s to the early 1980s. You know all about the Harlem Renaissance in the 20s and 30s. But what about the black arts movement in the South and the ways in which it impacted the civil rights movement as we know it? Uh, before we get to the impact on the movement, uh, let me just ask uh, Dr. James Smethurst, our guest in this hour, author of the book Behold the Land, uh, a broad question and uh, give him some canvas to paint and we'll go from there. The broad question, uh, Dr. Smethurst, is for you to take some time to actually tell us about the black arts movement in the South from the 60s to the early 80s. Take your time. Okay, so when we, we talk about the black arts movement in general, what we're talking about is the, um, the uh, arts and culture movement of the ninth, black arts and culture movement of the 1960s and 70s that is really almost joined at the hip. I mean, really is not distinguishable from the black black power movement. Um, it includes, you know, writers, it includes musicians, it includes visual artists, dancers, theater people. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's really the movement, even more than the Harlem Renaissance, that will put uh, black art and black culture, you know, front and center in the United States in a way that, you know, kind of lays the ground for somebody like Toni Morrison, for example, who really starts out during the black arts movement to become um, a, you know, a, get a Nobel Prize, to become, you know, probably the most famous, you know, the, maybe uh, many people would agree, would say the best novelist of our lifetime, depending on how old you are. Um, so, uh, and and the, the thing about the black arts movement that's, uh, you know, when you say movement, like black power, it's um, it's a complicated movement because uh, more than the, even more than the uh, Harlem Renaissance, it's pretty much any happens pretty much every place that there are uh, any any campus, any community, any city, town where there's an appreciable number of black people. So that practically every community black community in this nation had a, a theater or a bookstore or a poetry group, uh, you know, something like that, so that it's probably the most successful, I mean, in my view, unquestionably the most successful grassroots arts movement in the history of the United States. That, of course, makes it complicated because it's every, you know, practically everywhere, mm -hmm. then, um, you know, Communities are different, right? New Orleans is not New York. New York is not Los Angeles. Los Angeles is not Richmond, California, which is not, you know, uh, Memphis. So, um, you know, there's, so there's variations like that because the local traditions are a little different. You, you know, the, the local politics, the demographics are, are, are different. So that, that's, that's part of it. The other thing that makes the black arts movement complicated is that it's it's more like a network or a conversation about certain things like uh black what are black people what is black culture uh we everyone agrees there should be black self determination in other words black people should make their own future mm -hmm. uh but what would that future look like there's there's all kinds of answers to that those those questions and there's no i guess which i guess you'd say there's no pope of the black arts movement there's nobody who can say this is what it is or that is what it is. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of debates and, 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 and a lot of arguments, uh, a lot of conversations th that go on. But I, I th I, I'd say 
the, the thing that it does do that's really important is uh, that uh, it changes, you know, uh, besides, you, you know, it produces a lot of great artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, Toni Morrison, Samuel L. Jackson, Spike Lee, uh, Sonia Sanchez, Amiri Barak, I mean, his career goes back before them, but really is, is, is really uh, in, important. Uh, Bill Nunn, you know, Radio Rahim mm-hmm. and Do the Right Thing, uh, Andrea Fry. I mean, you could, you could go on, on and on uh, about important artists that got trained and sort of came out of the move, uh, movement. But also it changes how everybody in the United States uh, thinks about art and culture. The one thing is that the idea that art should be for the people or that we should support, publicly support art. You know, before the black arts movement, at least since the end of uh, the the uh, New Deal, you know, the uh, back then, at the beginning, you know, like say in 1962, the idea of public art in this country was basically Linda Bird, Lady Bird Johnson's uh, highway beautification program. There, there really wasn't a public sector. I remember the the poet and critic and arts administrator A.B. Spellman saying to me that, that we invented, he said, the, the public sector. Mm-hmm. The idea that, you know, tax money, public money, should go for public art that people could see, and not just in, um, you know, the Metropolitan Museum in New York or, you know, pick, pick your, your local art museum, you know, elite art museum, but that it should be in your community. It should be in Crenshaw, or it should be in Compton, or or Limit Park, or what whatever, um, as well as in the Getty or something. And uh, that that was new. But nowadays, we we just we don't think anything about that. I mean, the you know, some people might try to defund that, mm-hmm. but basically, and then then the people rise up. Uh, from all kinds of communities and, and beat those f- folks who want to defund back because we accept that you know that this idea that public art for art for the people you know somehow representing the people in their communities is is normal but yeah. that wasn't how it was before black arts the other thing is that you can be serious and uh and popular at the same time you know because black arts try is as trying to change the world mm-hmm. like create an art that was supposed to appeal to, well, millions of black people, not just, you know, 150 of your radical friends or a dozen of your <laughs> radical friends, yeah. right? And so, and they succeeded, yeah. you know, really, if you think about it. And, uh, you know, now we consider that, you know, uh, you know, Beyonce, who's what, you know, maybe the most popular uh, po- recording artist in the world. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know who is, but she must be pretty close. She, you know, she'll record Lemonade, you know, and uh, has a lot of serious, you know, very serious, or she'll do a thing referencing the Black Panthers at the, um, at, at the Super Bowl halftime, and folks, you know, some people will object, but, you know, her fans certainly yeah. think this is normal. Yeah. Let me, let me- but, uh, you know, Sam Cooke couldn't do that back in the day yeah no i take your point let me, let me ask you a couple of things again what you said already um uh, the first thing is uh, a question about the roots of this movement you you've talked about the movement right uh, i want to talk in a moment here about some of the artists that were created you've given some names already that we can explore some of the artists who were created by this black arts movement in the south specifically but tell me uh, briefly here and quickly about the movement's radical roots well, you know, I, I think that the, the movement's radical roots is if you look at the, at the genesis of, of it, 
is, and these are all interlocking spheres, is first of all you have um, the historically black colleges and universities. Because uh, a lot of, besides the fact that you have a lot of, um, of, of students there who study politics, who study, you know, art, who study culture, uh, and they train artists there, they train writers there, um, they ta- train the teachers of artists. In other words, in the days when there were still segregated schools, a lot of the black art teachers in the, in the, uh, for those segregated schools or, uh, were trained at places like, uh, you know, Spelman, Morehouse, um, Texas Southern, and so forth. Uh, so there, there's, there's that piece. But, you know, uh, these HBCUs, which are overwhelmingly in the South, mm-hmm. uh, their faculty was pretty radical. They had uh, a lot of them had their people like Sterling Brown, mm-hmm. uh, for for example, uh, or um, you know the art department at uh, you know at um, Hale Woodruff at Atlanta University, uh, Elizabeth Catlett um, at Hampton, among other places, mm-hmm. John Biggers at Tex- Texas Southern. They have their roots back in the 30s and 40s in what we might call the popular front, the sort of left-wing uh, uh, circles that were around really the Communist Party, and that whatever one thinks about the Communist Party, you know, retrospectively, it was a space where people felt that they could work for black uh, advancement, black liberation, or Negro liberation, as they would have said back in the day. And uh, a lot of these people have their, have, you know, were part of that. And they, 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 you know, at a time when that was crushed during the 50s, you know, they hang on at these, these schools in the South. So that's, that's one part of it. Also, uh, and they, these people are immensely important uh, to the civil rights movement, uh, who, which, after all, basically, if you think about the black student movement, which you know the SNCC and so forth, they come out of those very universities, mm-hmm. and and Sterling Brown mentors those people. Yeah, well, at uh, Howard, what what were there ways in which um, the Black Arts Movement in the South, because again it is in the South, uh, was pushed back on in ways that Black Arts Movement in other parts of the country might not have experienced. Well, sure, sure. Although you know, uh, as we know from the experience of say the. Black Panthers in California, or what happened to Fred Hampton in Chicago, and so forth. I mean, the pushback in other places could be pretty severe. Mm-hmm. But uh, having said that, I think you're right. But that was, you know, in some ways, that was an advantage mm. uh, in the in the sense that, you know, as far as I can tell, after a lot of study and talking to a lot of people, you didn't have the same kinds of bitter debates and conflicts in the South that you had in other parts of the country. You didn't have the struggle, like in Los Angeles, between Milana Karenga, us, and, and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, those sorts of things. Or, you know, up north, between later, between Hakeem Matabuti in Chicago and Amiri Baraka in Newark. Uh, in the South, uh, that tended not to happen so much. I mean, not saying that everyone believed the same thing, sure. but people seem to be been able to work uh, together in a way without as much conflict 
as you found in some, like say the Northeast, the Midwest, and the far far west. And when I asked people about it, their response was, um, "Well, you know, the situation there, you know, the people who you were opposed uh, was so well. First of all, they had a lot of power." And secondly, you know, the racists, the Klan. I mean, you know, this is a period when Lester Mannox was, uh, during some of it anyway, was uh, an outright segregationist who handed out baseball bats and and axe handles mm-hmm. to beat up people who tried to would sit in at his uh, chicken restaurant in Atlanta. Uh, they, uh, I guess, what it, I guess what their, their sense was the oppression was so great mm-hmm. in the South that the um, forces that you were a lot, you know. Um, facing were so powerful and so vicious that you didn't have the luxury of con- uh, conflict that people had in other places. I mean, you just wouldn't survive. Yeah. So, you know, what I'm saying here is, I don't want to romanticize the South, but what I'm saying is that there was a sense that people, um, you know, of alliance there that maybe wasn't as strong in some other places. Yeah, I mean, I- look at me. Look at Maynard Jackson. Mm-hmm. Look who's in his campaign. I mean, you had everybody. You had Marxists. You had cultural nationalists. You had sort of Marxist cultural nationalists. You have what we might think of as sort of liberal, uh, but not radical types. I mean, you had all kinds of folk who who um, who supported Maynard Jackson and worked in his campaign and still think of him as you, like you do yeah. you know very very warmly yeah. you know and I'm not sure that you have I mean if you look what happened in Newark with Kenneth Gibson and, and Baraka they fell out yeah no I, I hear your point about um, this sort of uh, southern solidarity uh, that didn't exist in the north I, I hear that I take it uh, and that's why I wanted to ask that question about whether or not there was um, uh, a pushback in the South and what the response was to that pushback. I hear you loud and, and clear. When we come forward after news, traffic, and sports, I want to come um, to this notion you raised a moment ago that um, these artists, uh, and you've, you've listed some, some names of some great artists that come out of this black arts movement in the South, um, but you made the point that these artists found a way to be both serious and popular simultaneously that they were both serious and popular at the same time. I'm wondering whether or not you think um, that today uh, that duality is easier or harder to come by, to be both serious and popular at the same time, easier or harder now uh, than during the genesis of the black arts movement from the 60s to the early 80s. We'll talk about that in a great deal more when we come forward with our guest in this hour, Dr. James Smethurst, talking about the black arts movement in the South. You're listening to KBLA Talk. Where you headed to? You going down the south? Word. I gotta make you deliveries and I'll check you back there, right? Delivery back. Back. Alright. Oh shit. Let me check it out. That's the hype. Newest latest. Let me tell you the story of right hand, left hand. It's a tale of good and evil. Hey. It was with this hand that Kane iced his brother. Love. These five fingers, they go straight to the soul of man. The right hand, the hand of love. 
The story of life is this. Static. One hand is always fighting the other hand. And the left hand is kicking much ass. I mean, it looks like the right hand love is finished. But hold on, stop the presses. The right hand's coming back. Yeah, he got the left hand on the ropes now. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, it's a devastating right hand. Hey, this hurt. Down. Ooh, ooh, left hand. Hey, KO'd by love. If I love you, I love you. But if I hate you, there it is, love and hate. I love you, Wait, Raheem, check the leg. Peace. Classic scene from a classic film, Do the Right Thing. I love that scene with Mookie uh, and Radio Raheem uh, and that, that, uh, that powerful discourse on love versus hate. We're talking in this hour with Dr. James Smethurst uh, about the black arts movement in the South uh, and why it's been so understudied and all the greats that were created by this black arts movement in the South. Prior to news, traffic, and sports, Dr. James Smethers said to me and to you um, that this movement created a lot of artists. A lot of artists were created out of this uh, black arts movement in the South, artists who found a way to be both serious and popular. It's not easy to do, to be both serious and popular at the same time. Spike Lee has pulled that off. He's done serious work, and yet he's popular. Uh, one of any number of artists, uh, uh, Tony Morrison, referenced earlier in this conversation, has done serious work, uh, obviously popular to the point of winning a Nobel Prize uh, for, uh, her, for, her, for her work. Um, and so I was asking, or said I wanted to ask Dr. Smethers uh, when we came forward, as we have now, uh, whether or not it's become easier or more difficult as an artist uh, out of the South or any place else in black to be both serious and popular. Uh, take that any way you want to take it, Dr. Smethers. Well, you know, I, I, that's a really good question. It's something I, I, I think about. And I would say, you know, I don't probably easier than when these folks started out, right, because we're 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 used to the idea. I mean, if you think about hip hop, then you know it's great hearing Public Enemy uh, there, and uh, though they're more of a Long Island, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but sure. you know they have their connections to the South as well as other places, the Caribbean. But that the um, you know you think about hip hop. I mean, first of all, you know I I don't know if you would say that the conscious or whatever you want to call it, sort of more politicized part of hip-hop is the dominant one, but that everybody who's into hip-hop, any, any, any hip-hop fan uh, in the subculture, knows that that, that is a, a stream of hip-hop, you know, that they listen to it, it's there, it's re- respected. So I think that there's that, you know, that, and that, uh, you know, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, Tolly Quelli or even going back in the day to... Uh, Public Enemy, or before them, to our Grandmaster Flash, or Africa Bombada, you know, up until until the present moment, you know, if people who we more associate with that, Kendrick Lamar, Common, or or, or or folks, or even Beyonce, who's who's definitely from the South. I mean, she's part of it. She and Jay Z are part of that long-standing sort of Louisiana, Texas. Los Angeles continuum, I guess you'd say. They're, they almost, she almost embodies it. But so, you know, they, they're, they're those, those folks uh, that, that do the, you know, so that's, that's part of the, you know, people 
are into that stuff. I mean, someone like Beyonce is amazing in the sense that, I mean, if you get into her fans, the really hardcore fans, the so-called uh, Bayhive, uh, that, uh, you know, what they love about her, what love to talk about her, is, uh, you know, they're, they're into interpretation. They talk about what, her, her, what she's trying to say, what it means. They like to break it down that kind of way, in a, in a, in a way that, you know, no, I can't think of too many artists like that before. So there's that piece. But the other thing is that I think it's worth knowing, noting, and I see that I can draw a line from this to the black arts movement, uh, particularly in the South, is also people who we might not think of as conscious hip-hop artists. Nevertheless, feel free and empowered and maybe even almost obligated to occasionally do what we might think of as, as conscious songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about uh, Lil Wayne, right? Most people don't think of him as a real political guy, really, uh, in any normal sense. And yet, uh, you know, God Bless America is probably the most intense indictment of like what we might think of as post-Katrina racism than, you know, visceral than anything I've almost anything I've ever heard or seen if you watch the video mm-hmm. you know similarly you know DMX we don't think of him as really being a conscious rapper I don't think but who we be is extraordinarily powerful so you know I guess the short form is I think it's you know easier harder it's hard for me to judge but mm-hmm. I mean still it's very very possible to do it I, in, in a way you know I, I, I think I would almost flip flip it and say that it's almost easy you know the, the that in a sense if one you know because i i like that your 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 station is on a you know on what is it unapologetically progressive you got it uh, yeah well you know so you know the, that there is this sort of unapologetically progressive aspect of black literature black culture black music the most popular some of the most popular forms mm-hmm. black theater black dance you know, what's interesting is that um, the culture, in a sense, is almost ahead of our politics. Mm-hmm. Because you got, you got uh, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. You know, it's, it's more, more, more like a, a progress, progressive movement of feelings, because, you know, there aren't really, you know, mass progressive organizations in any sense. You know, I mean, not that I not that I can see what some mm. people might call the left. What we call the left in this country is not really much of a, a left. And I'm not saying that critically. I'm just saying that there aren't mass organizations like there have been even in this country at certain mm. times or other countries. What we do have, though, in culture is this this uh, progressive, uh, if you will, especially led by black people, uh, sort of... Uh, uh, kind of movement of feeling of yes. of sentiment, and so you know what I'm saying is I, I I think you know again this is something that black arts changed, and I think it's still very I guess what I'm saying it's still very much with us, and thanks to hip hop, I mean what's more popular than that? Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I think don't know. no nothing nothing more hegemonic than that these days. No no question about that. And yet to your point about culture and politics, 
I think that's always been the case inside of black America. Um, in our community, our culture has always led uh, the politics uh, right. for two reasons. Number one, that's just what we do. We are a, we are a people that has uh, a, a, an imprint that is undeniable on the cultural landscape of this nation. Right. And for so long, as you well know, you, you know, you're the professor here, uh, we were left out of politics. We were boxed out of politics. So all we had was, in mm-hmm. fact, our culture. All we had to speak for us was, in fact, our art. So it seems to me that certainly inside of black America, the culture has always been ahead of the politics. So, so uh, no surprise there. Um, on that point, at least. When we come forward, Dr. James Smethers will talk more about the black arts movement in the South and specifically, which we haven't really gotten into in detail, the ways in which this black arts movement impacted the civil rights movement as we know it. More of that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Right now. Watching my clock here, uh, Dr. Smethers. Give me some sense, uh, if you will, of how the black arts movement in the South uh, profoundly impacted the civil rights movement as we know it. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I think it was, uh, I guess what you would say, a symbiotic relationship, I mean, between the two of them. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a way in which a lot of the black arts movement in the South comes out of civil rights. I mean, I mean, I don't mean like just, you know, in an ideological or political sense, but I mean, literally, like if you look at like the Free Southern Theater which was for uh in a, you know a, a bedrock of the black arts uh community uh in New Orleans it starts uh in Mississippi at Tougaloo College uh by these uh Gilbert Moses Dor- Doris Derby and John O'Neill these three civil rights workers who are part of uh uh basically SNCC mm-hmm. uh who um are, are movement people who then start a theater or if you think about black arts in Atlanta, a lot of it happens because people are there or there's this sort of, uh, it, the, partly it's because of the, his, the density of historically black schools, but as they interlock with uh, the civil rights movements like SNCC, SCLC, and so forth that are headquartered there, and that there's this sort of community out of which the black arts and black power communities uh, grow. But, I mean, then conversely, you know, you could say, you know, depending on how you define the civil rights movement, like, again, with Maynard Jackson, that this, there's this sense that, uh, you know, a sort of black civil rights, or you could say black empowerment, that a lot of the people on his staff, uh, people or work, who worked in his campaign, people like the poet Ebon Dooley, uh, Michael Lomax, mm-hmm. Pearl Clegg, I mean, these are people who all worked hard for later Jim Alexander, for Maynard Jackson. Um, they used, they were part of this cultural movement that Jackson used to, in a sense, build black power in in Atlanta. You know, it wasn't just about you know, um, you know, sort of the norm, what you think of the norm, normal civic things. But he, he had the sense of using culture to reach out to different communities, to empower different communities, to build a certain kind of spirit. And so, you know, then, you know, Atlanta comes to be uh, the, I don't know, can you think of a, 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 a city in the United States where a certain kind of, of black uh, political, cultural, 
and economic power no, has think, been more no, manifest than no, Atlanta? I think I think it is the black arts capital of the South, no question about it. I would call it just that, straight out. It is the black arts capital of the South. Uh, there's a lot well, of, and, you know, I, I, if you don't mind me saying sure. this, you know, c- continuing that, I would say, too, it's what puts Atlanta on the map, the black arts movement, and inter- interacting with civil rights is what, and black power sure. is what puts Atlanta on the map as a capital of culture of the United States. It nope. was, in some ways, a backwater before black arts. And, nope. and uh, now, you know, it's, it's on, on the main line. Nope. I, take, uh, I take that point. Two questions when we come forward in our remaining moments with you um, that I want to tackle. One is how this black arts movement, particularly in the South, this is true for the black arts movement anywhere in the nation, I suspect, but in the South, how did they stay focused on their work and witness and not get sidetracked or get impacted by negatively the the normative white gaze because they're doing this in Atlanta, which is black, but all around that is a bunch of white. And I'm 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 curious as to how in your research um, you've determined that they did their work so well, but did it in the midst of um, this sea of whiteness around it, but not get impacted by that that white gaze. And then I want to close, of course, by asking um, what the black art what the black arts movement in the South means for this conversation what their contribution was put another way to the conversation about what it means to be human we'll close on that note when we come forward on kbla talk 1580 the revolution will not be brought to you by xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions the revolution will not show you pictures of nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by john mitchell general abrams and spiro agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a harlem sanctuary the revolution will not be televised the revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be... Um, how did these artists uh, who were a part of the Black Arts Movement in the South, 1960s, early 1980s, uh, go about having such a such a huge impact as you detail in this book, Behold the Land, uh, without being uh, vulnerable to or uh, impacted uh, negatively by the normative white gaze all around it. Uh, well, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go too far. You know, I'd say that they it wasn't that they weren't impacted by the gaze and also impacted by the political. Uh, <laughs> I don't want you to say material political moves. In other yeah. words, the, what what happened in the Reagan administration, for example, when they got rid of the Comprehensive uh, Educational Training Act or CETA, right. which uh, employed a lot of people uh, in the theaters and whatnot, uh, that had an impact. There's no question about that. Um, like other places, places things went down. Mm-hmm. I think, though, what happens is that, um, for one thing, be, partly because of the demographics of the city. And, and some of the countryside, is that um, they are able to preserve more uh, institutions. Mm-hmm. And they also, again, I think because there wasn't as much uh, intra-group conflict, uh, that they, things survived. So if you look at some place like Atlanta, though it's had some difficult moments, the Black Arts Festival, which was conceived sure. by Michael Lom- Lomax, sure. You know, continuing the legacy of the black arts movement. I mean, what is that? It draws a ha- sometimes a half a million people. Oh yeah, or more. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I got to say that there's n- nothing in New York like that. 
definitely not anything in Boston like that. I mean, even Los Angeles, I mean, even in its heyday, the Watts Festival grew, drew a lot of people, but not that many. Yeah. And so, you know, they, 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 I think, have managed it because they were able to become institutionally embedded in certain kind of ways, politically, economically, and then culturally that um, were, were hard to dislodge. No, I... There were losses. Uh, and... Uh, and that uh, also, you know, uh, because of uh, the certain kinds of demographics and an increase of black political power in some ways, yeah. in the cities at least, they're able to do stuff that, you know, places, other places, I mean, who's, who is more uh, radical than Chokwe Lumumba? Yeah, uh, it, it, it may very well be the case. I, I knew, uh, know Michael Lomax, uh, knew him when he was mayor, of course. Uh, that may be uh, his greatest contribution to the city. That Black Arts Festival is a big deal right, right. in Atlanta. It may be um, the crown jewel of all of his accomplishments uh, as mayor of that city. I've got about uh, 90 seconds left. Let me close on this note. Okay. This, this is the ultimate question, it seems to me. Um, what did the Black Arts Movement, what has it contributed to this conversation about what it means to be human? Well, you know, I think, it, it, you know, it, it means that art is necessary for all of us. And art that speaks to all our, 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 our conditions, all our interests, all our psychology, and it should be available to all of us in the communities where we actually, actually live. Uh, and that, that black people, the black arts movement in the South, they led that, that struggle. And, uh, you know, and it's also, I, I would say, in terms of the South, is... You know, South was always on the front burner as far as music goes. Right. But in other forms of art, the South, you know, Houston, uh, Atlanta, you know, New Orleans, uh, Richmond, uh, and Raleigh, so forth, are now, you know, in a way, uh, you know, the most important, you know, on the front burner uh, uh, in, in terms of culture in the United yeah. States. It's not just New York and Los Angeles nope. anymore, and that was black arts. Nope, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more, uh, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation about the impact. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. The impact and the import of the Black Arts Movement in the South, as detailed in his book "Behold the Land," written by uh, Dr. James Smethurst. Uh, Dr. Smethurst, good to have you on. Thanks for your uh, your your insights and your sharings, and uh, we'll do it again, sir. Take care of yourself. Yeah, thanks. This was a pleasure. Pleasure, an honor. Pleasure's all mine and an honor. Thank you, sir. That's our show for today. Time to make room now for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson to be followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts. Old money, new money. Either way, we got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow morning, Lord willing, thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep the faith.